Hello and welcome to Share Your Secrets, a podcast that celebrates the diversity of food, art and community. We're Bounce Back Food CIC, a community cookery school that has been fighting food poverty in Greater Manchester, Cheshire and North Wales since 2014. Earlier this year we started working on our second fundraising recipe book, Secret Dishes from Around the World 2. It has exciting recipes from 20 countries and 20 original pieces of art by 20 local artists. In each episode, you'll find out about two of the 20 countries that will feature in the book. We'll talk food, art and community with the artists involved, get insights from guests in the featured countries and keep you up to date with what the Bounce Back team have been up to. I'm your host, Miriam Rendell. I hope you enjoy listening. This week on Share Your Secrets, I'll be talking to Natalia Stolarova, an artist and illustrator based in Manchester. She was assigned the Tunisia section of Secret Dishes from Around the World too. I'll also be talking to two of the interns who joined the Bounce Back team this summer to hear their experiences of the internship. But before we hear from them, I asked Duncan to explain in a bit more detail this year's Social Enterprise Internship Programme. So for the last three years, we've delivered a social enterprise internship programme. And in 2018 and 2019, that ran from our co-working office in Manchester. Um, But this year, we completely adapted it to meet the requirements of social distancing and COVID. And, And so what we decided to do was just open it up. And so in a similar way to putting out the call for artists um, in January, we said this year we're running our social enterprise internship program remotely. Therefore, if you're a young person that's looking to get experience in the sector, you're welcome to apply and it doesn't matter where you're based. So yeah, when we ran the program in in July, we were joined by 22 really talented young people um, and they were joining that two-week program from a variety of different places across the UK So we had like Zoom meetings and people picked different projects to to work on. So we did things with like marketing and events and publishing. And yeah, it was brilliant like to be able to open it up and to support young people with the first stages of their career. Hopefully they'll continue down the social enterprise path. And it's something that I think, you know, looking ahead, well, I can't see any reason why we wouldn't deliver it in that way again in future. I mean, it was just brilliant to be able to open it up um and to provide those opportunities on a national scale rather than just you know if you're based in Manchester so yeah really really kind of loved delivering that program this year and it was fantastic because we were able to offer one person a job at the end of it as well so I suppose it it really helped us to to grow our team but also to help people at the early stages of their career too. Thanks for that Duncan we'll hear more about the internship later. Natalia Stolarova specialises in printmaking, illustration and stop motion animation I started by asking her to tell me a little bit more about herself. Well, I'm Manchester-based illustrator. I call myself illustrator slash artist because I do all sorts of things. I'm coming from Latvia, have a Russian background, so I have like all sorts of things mixed in myself. I'm just really passionate about art. (laughs) How did you get into art? I was drawing all my life and then in school at some point I just realised I'm good at art. So I want to do art. (laughs) Since, yeah, end of school, I just decided I want to be an artist. Don't care how it will happen. (laughs) Did you do any further study, any courses, or is it just something that you've always just had a knack for? Well, while I was studying in school in Latvia, I was attending like an evening art school for children. Um, Then I moved to UK. I moved to my parents in Peterborough and I was attending a college there. And then... 
I moved to Manchester for my BA in illustration with animation and then recently I graduated from my master's in illustration as well. Yeah, so you focused on illustration then. So what is it about illustration that you really enjoy? It's just that freedom, I think, freedom of imagination and the ability to talk through the image, I think. Mm. Especially with me coming from different backgrounds, with different languages and stuff. I always was interested to speak through the images if you can't understand languages, you know what I mean? So I think it's one of the reasons I went for illustration. And I've noticed that a lot of your work seems to have a story at the centre of it, whether that be folklore or fairy tale. Is that something that interests you? Yeah, majority of my pieces are usually based on narratives. So they do tell the story. And I'm really interested in folklore. Again, as I said, I have like many background so I am interested in comparison folklore and finding out new things about the culture of different uh, nations so yeah there's definitely something I'm interested in and trying to speak about through my work. What's one of your favorite things that you've drawn based on either a fairy tale or folklore? Um, it might be something one of the recent works while I was working on my MA degree I was illustrating few Angela Carter's fairy tales so that's another thing I became interested in something really weird and twisted so I think yeah a few illustrations based on her collected fairy tales might be quite interested I'm quite proud of them as well they are weird and wonderful aren't they they are yeah and um, could you describe maybe one or two of them uh, I did one print based on one of the stories she have included in a book well it's a story about the old couple who lived somewhere in the countryside and then husband's wife got disappeared and nobody knew where she was and apparently when he was holding like a party in his house or something with the young lads somebody saw the lilac bush shaking without the wind or anything and the guy came closer to the lilac bush and he saw a fingers or hands sticking out from the ground which means she was buried in the ground and the lilac bush like grew up out of her so I sort of visualized that with a lady being under the ground and there is lilac bush growing and the lady naked that was something weird for me especially bearing right I usually try to visualize everything quite literally so this was the piece which was the first one which I created which for me was quite weird. <laughs> I think I've seen on your Instagram actually there's an animation isn't yeah. there of is it roots or part of the tree like she's yeah. become part of it. Yeah I did develop that in the stop motion animation as well because I was really thrilled about the story and I really liked it so I played with that print quite a few times and did a few things with it. <laughs> one of your pieces that really sticks out to me is there's a picture of a monkey and he's got um, a clown's hat and a ruffle. Tell me about him. Oh, it was quite quite bizarre um, piece to be fair with you. I was working on one of my projects again for uni and then suddenly I was like, right, I'm not interested in anything else. I just want to do my own image. And the monkey came to me and I was like, oh, I just want to draw a monkey. But then I wouldn't be myself if I would draw just an ordinary monkey. So I just decided to dress that monkey up and add some sort of mood to it. So it's just not an animal monkey, it's sort of sad monkey, which is dressed in that sad clown's costume. Mm. It probably reflects some of my mood at the point as well, because I had few breaking points uh, during my master's when I didn't know what I wanted to do. So that monkey probably sort of me at some point during my <laughs> course. 
<laughs> I think that is the mo- moment when you start to question yourself whether it's worth it or not. Well, talk to me a little bit more about um, some of the print work that you've done. So I realised that um, you've been doing something quite recently in connection with the Black Lives Matter movement, a beautiful print, um, and it's lino cut print. Tell me a little bit more about the process and about that piece. Yes, yes. It's still available on my Etsy and all the profit from this print, and I have created another print as well, really similar to it. I'm donating to organizations which are supporting Black Lives Matter. And I did donate some money to small fundraiser who is working in collaboration with youth primary schools and I believe secondary schools as well. I think the name of the Instagram account is at Black Curriculum. Yes, they are trying to buy some books which are talking about the, uh, for schools to talk about race and start those conversations about the race. Because as I said, I was going to school in Latvia, so we didn't talk about race at all. Mm-hmm. And the first people of colour I met were here in UK. So I do understand how important it is for children to realise they're people of colour, people with different backgrounds, people with different ethnicities and stuff, different beliefs, different traditions. So I just thought it's really, really good cause. As an artist, if I can create a piece and raise some money towards a good cause, why not? And it is such a beautiful piece. So talk me through the process. Yeah, so I'm coming up with a sketch. Um, I really love drawing and printmaking, so I try to combine these two processes. So I would usually draw it and create a decent (laughs) drawing, uh, and then I would trace it on tracing paper and transfer it on a lino block, Mm -hmm. then repeat all and simplify the drawing with a permanent marker, and then I would carve all those lines which I need. And this particular print was printed in a black paper in gold. Yeah which do look really nice in real life. It's really hard to capture that through the image, but in real life it do look nice and delicate. (laughs) It's gorgeous. How do you get that gold effect? It's a gold ink, gold oil-based ink, printmaking ink, yeah. It's really nice and shiny. (laughs) So where can we find that? What's your Etsy account? Uh, So it's nstillustration.etsy.com, exactly the same as my Instagram, nstillustration. It's so current and I just think it's so important that you can use your creativity for matters like that. Yeah. You've been working in schools. Yes, I've been running some after-school art clubs with primary school children and just showing them different ways of creating art, different materials, different processes. I just love to see children doing art. <laughs> Have you always developed stop motion or is that something that's come off the back of illustration? Um, well, I was doing course illustration with animation, so I did a little project on animation, mm. but then at some point I realised I want to be illustrator mainly, but I just feel there is some sort of magic bringing your image to movement, even if it's not a, a perfect cartoon animation, it's still like as soon as you get a tiny bit of movement, you can sort of transfer that mood about it yeah I would say yeah there is a you're adding different mood and sort of different impression to your piece um, and yeah I started to add a bit of stop motion animation to my uh, prints which I think works quite well and I usually do hands-on animations which means like I do I do use a lot of cutouts and move them around and take frame images yeah, you've created this beautiful piece called Memories and it starts off with a scrunched piece of paper and then these characters come to life. Do you want to explain a bit more about it? 
to be fair with you, I think it was one of my first animations, which I did again for uni project. It was a time when I was actually exploring all the animation possibilities and 2D, that stop motion animation was something what I became really interested in. And I usually collect different sorts of papers, like artwork, which I don't like, don't use anymore. And I decided I just want to do some collage pieces and add some movement to them. Mm. Since then, I just really enjoy to use my own work, especially with printmaking. You always will have some rejected prints, spare prints, which you can slice up, cut up and move around. (laughs) Yeah, and you really brought those characters to life because they were made out of different card and paper, weren't they? Different stages of life. It really worked. I loved it. (laughs) Oh, thanks. (laughs) Especially the train. The train's um, steam was made out of brown paper. Yeah, I think the steam was my favourite. I'm I'm feeling quite proud of that. (laughs) What other artists influenced you when you first started? It was quite hard to find myself in art there, I think, because of my background and all these years of studying in art schools, I did enjoy doing a lot of things. So for me, it was really hard to find the influence. One year it would be this person, another year it would be someone entirely different. But I think at the moment when I started to actually realise what I want to do, that I enjoy drawing, I enjoy storytelling, one of my favourite artists became Shantan. He's an illustrator and I think he's an animator as well. Uh, but he have a fabulous book called Their Rival. So it's a graphic novel. Again, there are no words in that book whatsoever, uh, but they're just fabulous illustrations uh, telling the story about the person and his family, how they immigrating from one country to another country. So yeah, when I came across the book, I just thought, yes, this is something I want to do, tell stories through the images and draw them without too many processes and stuff. When I came across printmaking, one of the influences I would say was printmaker, I'm not too sure how to pronounce his name though, I think it's Peter Reddick. Yeah, so he's one of the printmakers who I'm really, really inspired by. He's doing a woodblock prints, but they are so tiny and delicate and there are so many perfect details. I'm just amazed. (laughs) Well, that's something I noticed. I saw you um, had posted a video of um, a little girl illustration that you've done and the detail and like the intricacy of it it's just wonderful to watch it build up and and each bit of shading and light and I think you have to have a lot of patience I know yeah I am quite patient I think I'm getting really covered by detail and I have to admit I'm really patient with stuff like printmaking and drawing but if it would be painting I would have no patience whatsoever so (laughs) I am patient but for the medium I really enjoy working in so yeah I would never ever spend three or four days on painting however I can spend 50 hours on carving a liner block (laughs) oh my word so when you're doing one of your drawings a lot of it is in black and white in pencil Yes, yes. Well, I really love black and white. And again, like if you have noticed with my prints, they're usually either sepia or black or navy blue. I'm not really a colour person. <laughs> um, and yeah, I really love the gradient you can get with the pencils. But since I was interested in children's book illustration as well, and again, fairy tales and folk tales are quite often aimed at children, I started to develop my digital colouring as well. So I did a bit of watercolours, which I realised is not really for me, but I do enjoy to apply a digital colour to my black and white illustrations, sort of keeping more contemporary as well and developing my colour skills. (laughs) How did you hear about Bounce Back Food and the project? 
It was something I came across in an advert. I think it was on a Facebook group for artists, something like that. So I came across uh, the advert and just shared it for myself just to keep an eye on it. And then I researched and I just read about the organization and what they're doing. And I was like, well, I might try it. <laughs> it sounds good. <laughs> what was it about Bounce Back's organization that drew you in? Uh, it was just uh, helping people, uh, well, cooking, first of all. I love food, I love eating, I love cooking. Uh, and then just helping people and supporting people in diff uh, different situations and difficult life situations. So I just thought I want to be part of it. I want to have my name somewhere there on the background. <laughs> if I was coming around for dinner, what would be your signature dish? Um, I think it would be something Russian. Mm. Uh, yeah, we have quite broad cooking traditions in my family, but I think I would make some maybe pancakes with a mushroom stuffing, something like that. Ooh, that yeah. sounds nice. <laughs> yeah. So um, we're going to reveal on the podcast which country you were assigned. Would you like to let us know? Yes. So my country was Tunisia, the country I haven't heard about before. <laughs> I feel guilty of that. <laughs> you get your envelope, you open it up. How do you feel when you got Tunisia? Yeah, I read the title and I was like, oh God, where is it? <laughs> yeah, so that was my first. And then everyone around me started to share, like, you know, when you read the title and those images are flashing in your imagination and everyone was sharing, like, oh, I can imagine color palette. I can imagine what I'm going to draw. I can imagine the taste and smell of the food. I could imagine nothing. And I was like, I need my Google Maps now. <laughs> I love your honesty. <laughs> so once you got to Google Maps and you'd, you'd worked out where your country was, what was your process? What research did you do? Well, I did a bit of research about where the country is. Um, Again, I really love to see people, which is really bizarre probably for the cookbook. I wanted to see people. I was really interested how they live, what they wear, how they look. Uh, and then after that, of course, I googled some uh, traditional foods and mm. recipes and stuff. But I think at some point during my research, I became more interested in um culture I became really interested in the visual culture like uh, costumes and traditions and how the everything looks I've noticed in your work you like to tell a story well I wanted to know what the story was behind the women that feature in your artwork so basically there is a plate with some silhouettes of women dancing so when I was uh, researching the country and traditions of the country I realized uh, there is a big part of dance tradition in Tunisia so they're really really nice dances which you just can't stop watching I went on YouTube and I spent like a couple hours just going from a video to video seeing people dancing so I was like yes this is definitely the thing which when somebody a few years later somebody will tell me about Tunisia I'll remember dance <laughs> and dances I was watching so uh, I just decided it's definitely something I wanna uh, depicting my piece they're beautifully depicted and you can see the movement that they are mid-dance oh i'm glad you're saying that i was trying to achieve that i wasn't too sure whether it's working or not <laughs> you chose to choose a color palette which i think really worked well yeah again i was doing some research to choose a color palette as well so i was looking at some patterns and fabrics of tunisia and some rugs they are creating basically by hands so i was picking a few colors from basically national artwork I could find of Tunisia. Um, and I was trying to stick to that color palette 
to hopefully bring a mood of Tunisia through that colour palette as well. Did you start off with individual sketches for the different parts and then put it all together? What was your process? So basically for the piece itself I started with sketches many sketches and ideas and my additional idea was entirely different but I just thought yes it's definitely something I'm gonna go for but then it didn't really turn out as I wanted on the paper and I started to experiment and just started to work with simple shapes and at some point I just realized well those simple shapes are perfectly working for some like a plate and stuff and sort of part of the table and then Behind those sketches, I came up with, again, the story, uh, culture of the art of Tunisia. Again, all those rugs and patterns you can find in the artworks. Mm. Through the brainstorming, I came to the final idea of the piece. I think you managed to capture culture, art, food and dance, everything. You managed to capture all in one page. Thanks. (laughs) Um, Who do you think will want to buy the book? I hope it's going to be people who love food love exploring about cultures and different food cultures. People who love arts, because obviously this book can be something broad in terms of arts. I do know a few artists who we'll be working with. So we all are entirely different in styles and the ways we are telling our stories. So I'm I'm really thrilled. I can't wait to see the book. That's it. Like every page is going to be so diverse and so different. It's going to be jam-packed with so much. Do you think you might try some of the recipes? Oh, I definitely will. Yeah, I I have to say I'm guilty. I haven't tried my own. Uh, But I definitely, as soon as I will get my hands on a book, I'll try them. Do you work at home? Do you work at a studio? Well, I have my home studio, so I work at home. um, But during the lockdown, my partner was at home as well. So he took over my office, my studio office. So I had to work in the kitchen. (laughs) Kind of handy, maybe. (laughs) I know, yeah. Well, for the cookbook, working in the kitchen, perfect spot. (laughs) (laughs) How did you find coping in lockdown? To begin with, I was absolutely fine. I just found so much time for myself and for development and artwork because obviously all the art takes time, all the drawings takes a lot of time. So I just at some point I just realised, well, this is the time I can do things and this is the time I can develop those projects which I was thinking of, but I had no time for them. Did you feel more creative in lockdown then? Yes, right at the beginning, I just started creating everything, sketching wherever I had in back of my head realizing that you wouldn't be doing anything else during this time uh, gives you that freedom to fail and to try new things because there is less pressure of like you know if I would have to go to schools and do teaching and prepare for the lessons every piece which is a failure would feel a bit of a waste of time but now when I'm at home anyway uh, I just try things and I'm not worried whether it will work out or no. I just want to see how it happens. Yeah, but I think overall during the lockdown, I just felt quite creative and productive and I think I have achieved a lot and I have so many ideas now, which I still didn't have time to develop even then. <laughs> what about what's next for you? Have you got anything in the pipeline? I'm working on some self-published book now. Again, I'm working with an author from Latvia. Uh, she's writing like a fairy tale. I would call them short stories. I received few narratives from her. You know, when you're reading something and there are images popping in your head straight away, I just thought it's something I really want to work, uh, work on. So I'm trying to develop few illustrations for some stories and really hope to self-publish like a tiny book by end of the year and see how it will go. 
And yeah, I'm open to commissions and just want to try new things. <laughs> well, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us today. Thank you. <laughs> you can find Natalia's work on Instagram at NST Illustration or on Facebook, Natalia's Illustration. Earlier this year at Bounce Back Food, we ran our annual social enterprise internship. The programme ran remotely, which enabled 20 young people from across the UK to join our team. Everyone was assigned one of the 20 countries that features in the book. Here's Cecilia with some fun facts about Tunisia. Did you know, in some regions of Tunisia, when a baby's first tooth starts coming through, it's celebrated with a party for family and friends and includes lots of sweets and dried fruit. Couscous is the national dish of Tunisia and it's cooked with vegetables, fish or meat and a tasty sauce. Now let's hear from Ellie to hear more about Mali. When you visit someone's house in Mali, often they will serve you the national drink, which is sweet tea. It's served three times from the same pot. However, if you're served a fourth cup, it means that you are no longer welcome and you need to leave. Did you know the richest man in history comes from Mali? His name is Mansa Musa. His net worth is almost unimaginable, around $4 billion. He was so rich and so extravagant that on his pilgrimage to Mecca, he disrupted the economies of Cairo, Medina and Mecca. He gave out so much gold and spent so much money that there was inflation for three years after he left. Thanks to our interns for sharing those facts. The artist assigned to Mali is James Blinkhorn. He's an established Cheshire-based artist who also runs Vanillian Art Gallery in Nutsford. James is often inspired by unconventional outdoor scenes, melding different shapes, colours and textures together in unusual ways to form alternative perspectives. He took inspiration for his Mali artwork from an imagined riverboat trip along the Niger, experiencing the people and towns along the way. He imagined strolling around the ancient trading city of Gene, seeing the Moroccan-influenced architecture and Grand Mosque, which is in fact the world's largest mud building. There'd also be camel treks in the desert and tea drinking in Gao. What a trip! For more information about James's work, check out the episode notes on Bounce Back Foods' blog. Shortly after the internship finished this summer, I spoke to two of the students who took part in the two-week programme. The first voice you'll hear is Laura and the second is Esther. I started by asking them whereabouts they were in their university career. I'm just going into my final year at the University of Birmingham, so I study sport and exercise sciences. Um, and I've just recently come back from a year abroad at the University of Sydney. So I got back at the end of March um, due to COVID. So I've been working remotely until the end of June and then just summer now and just completed this internship. So I've just finished first year at the University of Birmingham studying uh, maths and philosophy. Mm, so a nice mixture there. I think sometimes people find it a bit strange, but I find like one's proving things with numbers and then the other's just proving it with words. So how did you hear about us at Bounce Back Food? So I actually live in Sandbach, which is a nice coincidence. <laughs> um, and I've been to the Maker's Market before and I remember... I think it must have been a few years ago going with mum in Sandbach and it was Maker's Market and we got talking to Duncan um, at the stall and then I signed my mum up for a cookery class and then saw an email from uni and then I was like oh this company sounds a bit familiar and then I clicked on it and I was like oh wow I do know who this is um, and then just applied from that. 
Um, I got an email from the Uni Careers Advice and it just caught my eye because of the link to food banks or how Bounce Back Food was a social enterprise. Because I'd previously at, at school helped out at a food bank. It was just such an incredible experience. Like it was really shocking to think that there was a need for food banks, particularly like now in today's society. But just the people that I met, just the kindness and generosity that was there was just amazing. And then I saw like the values of bounce back food and I was like, I really want to be part of that this summer and get involved. So why do you think social enterprises like bounce back food are important? I think it's so good to have a company that like works to actually help people because I always said whatever job that I wanted I did want it to like make a difference Mm -hmm. and I think it's so important that this company the stuff they do is like all invested in helping the community and actually like makes a difference and it's like such a positive thing for people. I think it's just yeah that idea of it it's possible to be a business and to have a business mindset but also it's possible to put something back into the community and I don't know if maybe particularly at this time with Covid and unemployment and we might see potentially more people needing food banks so maybe right now things like bounce back food are just so important. How did you find it working remotely because normally at bounce back we would have had people actually in the office so how was it for you being remote working online I think because I had to study from Sydney from the UK so that was like obviously very remote with like a totally like different time so I think I've been quite used to it um but obviously it would be really nice to do some stuff in person Mm. um but no I think it worked well for the tasks we were given it did work really well um, a strange experience I think because at first being at school and at uni you're used to being around people and working together around a table yeah um, but it was bizarre like I'd go on the zoom calls and you'd see everyone and it'd be like you'd already met them in person it was just <laughs> strange and then the zoom call would end and I'd just think of all these people going off doing their own little tasks around the house <laughs> and just thinking oh yeah we are all around like just round about but we are all doing the same thing yeah and it was just like mastering the art of putting on a, a nice top with like tracky bottoms or pajama bottoms <laughs> and be like I'm going to spruce up the camera angle <laughs> but secretly I had the fluffy socks on <laughs> what were you hoping to gain from the two weeks I think for me, like some experience is always nice. I feel like it's so important and just some new skills. I've never done anything like marketing before or like event stuff, but now I feel like I've, I've learned a lot. I think I was really intrigued as to how a social enterprise does give back to the community. So what did you enjoy most about the two weeks? I really enjoyed the recipe stuff, trying and testing recipes, making changes and then like writing them up. Yeah, and also the marketing stuff. I've never really done it before. Like using Canva, I had no idea what it was, but now like I feel like I can like use it confidently. We had an article task. Mine was to write an article about fighting food waste, starting with your fridge. Um, and that was interesting, researching about that and looking into little tips that you can just incorporate in your daily life, just really easy things. We had like our own personal project to do with marketing, publishing or events. And that was good to get involved, to see each side of how bounce back food works. The thing that surprised me was what I learned the most and what I got most out of it was the podcast side of it, because I'd never really thought about a career related with media. So I hear that you had to do some strange recording in a duvet booth. Yes, so um, 
to be an expert podcaster, apparently you have to get um, under a duvet. I said to my to my mum, like, okay, um, I'm just about to go and sit under a duvet and record myself on my phone. <laughs> she was like, what? <laughs> um, but really enjoyed it. Just sat there recording facts um, yeah, over my phone for the podcast. And it was just good fun, unexpected uh but enjoyed it a lot it's such a shame that during covid that we weren't able to get into a podcast booth all together and you know record your voices but at least we've had this opportunity to be able to record remotely now not in a duvet booth (laughs) (laughs) yeah so you've been doing some cooking over the last two weeks what were your recipes that you were perfecting so mine was scones and shortbread so i chose to do some fruit scones which first go, they were a bit flat. I wasn't too happy. But second go, they were a lot better. <laughs> um, I was much happier with that. And then I made some millionaire shortbread as well. Oh my gosh, sounds amazing. Yeah, they were really tasty if I do say so myself. Yeah, and I was um, lucky that another intern, Laura, um, we ba- we're both from Sandbatch and I was given the task of making a chocolate cake. So I made this chocolate cake and then I sent Laura a message and I was like, oh, just look outside your door. There's a little parcel of chocolate cake. <laughs> so and then um, about a couple of days later, I get a message off Laura and she was like, oh, um, here's some fruit scones and a millionaire shortbread. And they were just delightful. I was like, yes, they didn't last very long at all. <laughs> you two lucked out with your recipe. Oh, we did. And you were given some growing tasks as well. Yeah, so I got designated celery and blueberries. Um, but because of the season, it wasn't really quite time for me to like plant them or grow them. So I just researched that. But also popped round to my grandma and granddad's to see what he's been growing. So I got some tips off him about broccoli and tomatoes and some strawberries. So that was handy. Yes, I was assigned to grow strawberries and cauliflowers. How the seasons worked, it didn't work out that I could grow strawberries. It's been quite like inspiring. Yeah, so we're growing lettuces at the moment. And yeah, and fingers crossed, they'll go okay. What will be your lasting memory of working with Bounce back over the last couple of weeks? I think this definitely will be. Um, this podcast recording, like, I'm so excited to have a listen to all the episodes. Um, and just I think seeing all the great work that Bounce Back are doing and I'm like excited for all the stuff that we've worked on to come out um, and just seeing what the future has to hold. I think um, the sense of community that Bounce Back Food has and it was really good to see um, when we were given access to the online portal knowing that we were putting these recipes on there um, and these different articles but knowing that they were going to reach people um, mm. from all across the UK and it was just really uplifting to know that yes we may be all separated but like cooking and food does relate us all and it was nice to know that there'll be people from all walks of life getting involved all part of Bounce Back Food together um, and all contributing to the social enterprise. Would you recommend the programme to others? Oh yes definitely yeah I think such a rewarding two weeks where We've had the chance to work on such a wide range of tasks that, yeah, it's been really enjoyable. Oh, definitely. Yes. A really great opportunity. And you come away feeling like you've learned a lot, but you've also put a lot back into Bounce Back Food. Oh, well, I wish you all the best of luck. Thank you for talking to us about the internship. No problem. Thank you so much. Thank you. It's been wonderful. Thanks to Laura and Esther for their involvement in the podcast. Remember, you can pre-order a first edition copy of Secret Dishes from Around the World too from the shop on Bounce Back Foods' website. 
go to www.bouncebackfood.co.uk forward slash shop to place your order. To find out more about the people featured on today's podcast, head to the blog on Bounce Back Food's website where you'll find the episode notes. Well, that's all for now. Thanks for listening to Share Your Secrets, a podcast by Bounce Back Food CIC. I'm your host, Miriam Rendell, and I'll see you next week. This episode was sponsored by Bounce Back Health, Bounce Back Food's sister social enterprise that's based in Manchester. Bounce Back Health is an organisation that supports people on their journey towards balancing physical and mental health. For more information, check out their Instagram at bounceback.health or visit bounceback-health.co.uk.